Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Welcome back. In today's episode, we have a guest presenter, uh, Professor Joshua Johnson. He is the Director of Academic Technology here at Wisconsin Lutheran College. Uh, he is passionate about so many things in technology that uh, we just had to limit his topic because really, the guy is fascinating. He could talk about technology for days. And the thing I love about it is when he talks about technology, it's not talking about tools, he's talking about learning. Right. And how do you achieve goals for learning and how can you use technology to support you in that? So many times when I hear people that are passionate about tech, that's all they talk about. Mm -hmm. He, Josh, you are so learner-centered and then technology is just this tool that supports that. So I always love your insights on that. So thank you so very much for being here. This is episode number 50 for us. Number and 50. We have a little pattern of every 10 episodes we have a guest. So really grateful that you're here with us today. Joshua today is going to be talking about the development of personal and professional learning networks. And I'm sure that you'll find uh, this episode really fascinating because every time Joshua talks, we always come away with saying, wow. I guess I never thought about that. Oh, that's something to revisit. So, welcome, Josh. Thank you very much. I'm usually, uh, I usually think that most of the time when I get done talking, people are like, oh, good, he's finally done. Uh, so, it's a little, uh, uh, a little overwhelming maybe to just say, like, you can talk about whatever you want, but I'm glad that you can edit uh, most of the things out. <laughs> but you're right, I, I really do uh, enjoy talking with teachers, especially, and with students, and talk about use of technology, especially with that idea of a, a personal learning network. Um, I really kind of stumbled across it when I was doing uh, my master's work in the capstone uh, parts here. The, the idea of using technology and I guess one of the things that's always stuck out to me with the, I guess just the pace that technology has changed is how much access we have to information. I actually heard uh, Pastor Reichel last night in a, uh, his Pentecost sermon um, was talking about the fact that students have access at a, at a young age to all of this information. They have access to so many more worldviews and opinions and thoughts um, far more than I did. So the world really is uh, bigger to people as a result of that. And uh, I guess one of the things when, as soon as I start talking about, you know, learning networks and professional learning networks, a lot of people probably start to think about something new that they like, oh, I have to build this. And I, I usually remind people that you have this already and you've, you've had it since before technology and technology, in my opinion, has just kind of expanded the audience for it. So Normally, with personal and professional learning networks, and I use I, I like the term personal. Um, you're probably going to find if you do any research on it, uh, you'll find it a little bit more referred to as professional learning networks. I like the idea of personal, and it it really um, some of the early ones that I mentioned to people is you know talking around the water cooler uh, in your office or in a teacher's lounge or you know at a parent teacher's conference while you're sitting in line, you're talking to other parents about you know what experiences have you had you know with your children or with students or what have you learned about this or did you watch this episode of you know whatever was on last night uh, that really was kind of the the old-fashioned learning network I had a group of people um, that I talked about football I had a group of people that I talked about you know school or I talked about shop whatever it is that that you're doing and they were the the foundational stage of that learning network and a lot of times 
I, I focus on the idea that when you latch on to someone like that and you form that relationship, when someone you trust says, oh, you should really watch this movie or you should read this book or did you um, hear about this that's happening in the news, it really, it really meant something more than possibly even uh, just some stranger or, you know, a talking head on a, a TV telling you that this is something you should care about um, simply because of that relationship that you have. And I guess uh, for me then, the, that idea really, when I start looking at this learning network, it really has two parts to it. The one part is consuming information. Uh, and I, I think we've done a really pretty good job as as a uh, school systems like teaching students how to consume information and where I think the real struggle is is on the other side like producing I mean the this podcast would be a, a great example of it a lot of people spend a lot of time listening to other people's podcasts but to actually sit down and, and create one to share now the the wealth of knowledge that you might have with other people really can start that conversation and uh, so I I focus a lot with educators, and, and I think this would even apply to parents as well, really starting to, to develop the skills in developing a, a learning network with students at a young age. And I, I think um, a lot of it starts with, you know, what in education we talk about portfolios a lot, but a lot of it starts with teaching students how to think about their own thinking. You know, that idea of metacognition and getting them to put something together and then reflect on it. And I don't know, for me, that's always been one of the hardest parts about teaching because it is the the part that I, when I, especially when I was younger, that I never took enough time to really just think about what I was doing and think about why things worked and why I tried it that way. I love that idea because once students start to think about their thinking, um, once they start to, to evaluate like, oh, what did I try? Why did that work? Why did that fail? Um, I think they they then become um, not only more reflective, but I've, I just feel like they become better problem solvers uh, and not afraid. I mean, we always talk about failure is the best teacher, and yet I, I think most of us are afraid to, to fail, to afraid to put in the time and the effort and then have it not work out because at that point it's just like, well, well, I failed. So so for me, that's, that's one of the things, so I, I kind of bring all of that idea of a personal learning network. And I, I usually start it very small with, you know, kind of like a portfolio. And for a lot of people, that's their Facebook page. Like that's the beginning of most people's personal learning networks is just here's the people I associate with on Facebook. Here's the news that I read. Here's where I communicate some of the thoughts and ideas that I have. Uh, and I really um, try to, to get people from that part, from that point as a as a as an adult usually and say like okay now how can i expand that and start bringing in some other viewpoints besides just the people that maybe i i associate with because they have the same the same ideas and thoughts that i have uh, and i think if if we if we can as adults especially as we as we look at how we can use and utilize technology we also have to remember not to assume that that young 
young people just because they're young know how to use it for those purposes. And so then being able to model to students to to help them develop their their profiles, their online profiles, how to use the information, how to vet it, you know, all of the things that I think we we strive to teach students about critical thinking um, and evaluating sources and understanding, you know, is there bias here and, and where is it coming from or what's the purpose of this article? And I think all of that just really uh, that's really been one of the things for me, and a lot of it is just because there is so much out there um, that you can learn, and really the idea of making it personal to you, uh, finding something that you're passionate about, and then really being able to jump off of that and use that as a platform to learn so many new things. The one example uh, that I know a lot of people would really maybe kind of cringe at a little bit is I just see so many young people with their YouTube channels creating and and using so many skills in order to communicate and market themselves all centered around something as simple as a video game. Like here's something that I was good at and I was passionate about and so I learned as much as I could about this and then even have taken that into being almost a self-sustaining business for some of these young people. Um, but that was something they, they've learned so many skills, whether it be technical skills or communicating with people, marketing, understanding, you know, what uh, what their audience is and uh, how to, to present things to that audience. Uh, I think those are just uh, remarkable skills that um, that they've developed completely outside of the, the classroom experience. And I'm sure they've used a lot of the things that they've done in schools to to help them along in that way. But. I brought with me, uh, and I, I don't know how many people know about it, even a lot of educators don't always realize, um, it's, I, I call it the ISTE standards, it's the International Society for Technology and Education, and I'm a big fan um, of the standards because it really, I think, just kind of encapsulates all of these things about those, those education or those learning networks. And uh, the idea, it really just talks about students being, um, and I'm reading from, from, from their list right here, being a digital citizen or a knowledge constructor. You know, the, the whole idea in mean, constructivist learning, like letting students create, you know, makerspacer movements, um, the STEM, uh, STEM classrooms that are out there, letting students really interact and construct knowledge um, instead of just being told like, well, this is why something works and discovered on their own. Uh, it focuses on innovative designing um, and creative communicating, uh, just like I mentioned with the, the YouTube videos, being able to uh, broadcast whatever is important, whatever you're passionate about, the things that you've learned, being able to broadcast that um, and relay that information to, to communicate with other people. Uh, and then they're, they're really focused on doing that, especially because of technology on a, on a global scale being able to find an audience that needs to hear um, about what it is that you put together rather than, you know, for me as a teacher, I always try to tell my students, I'm not your audience. Uh, you're not telling me about Abraham Lincoln. I want you, um, or you're not telling me in maybe a, a better scenario would be, you're not telling me about um, the importance of recycling. What I want you to do is I want you to tell the community that is around you about the importance of recycling and maybe give them things that they can do about that. And that's where uh, in the classroom technology has allowed us to create these projects inside of a classroom and then be able to communicate them um, to a community that's maybe not even immediate. Maybe my community is really great at recycling, but I want to help people on the other side of the world understand the importance of uh, recycling. So 
Josh, I love the autonomy that you're talking about here and the choice that you're giving students to, to hone skills, to learn, to create, to share, but in something that they enjoy. So just make this really simple for me. I'm a sixth grade teacher, okay, or you're a sixth grade teacher, and you're going to do a project with this where they're creating these. How would you explain it to them? Well, I would probably, um, and I always, I mean, think about what your goal is and most of the time, and I'll use my, my background kind of as a, a history teacher. I, I always tried to focus on the idea that, that, yeah, I want you to know about your country's history. I want you to know about all of these things, but a lot of the skills that I'm developing in my history classroom were about research and writing and sharing. And so once I realized that the, the history class, you know, all of the dates and the terms and the people that you learned about, a lot of that was just setting me up to give you a space to work on those skills. I wanted to kind of take a look and say, well, if my skill is to teach someone how to do research um, and how to vet their sources and then how to communicate that information back to me, I don't need to do it with Abraham Lincoln. I used him as a, an example before. Uh, I can let the student find something that they are passionate about. Uh, a lot of the, the things might look similar. Like I would still probably um, require at some point students write me a, a paper that describes or a paper that, that talks about, you know, what were the values or what was the important things that happened in order for, for something. But it doesn't necessarily have to be um, specifically within my my U.S. history or my world history, it can it can branch out into things that they they care about, and a lot of those I think are going to be around the community. And right now, um, you know, you could probably look at well, you could probably just look at at teenagers and and kids and see like well, they're definitely passionate about things. And now, how can I harness that that wanting and that desire to learn um, specifically about? Minecraft, for example, mm -hmm. how can I harness that power and then help them start to make those connections and see all the things that they are learning about here, the way that they're doing the research and presenting materials and recording videos. It transfers over right. into other. Yeah. That's outstanding. What I love about that uh, insight is you're taking a skill set, you're refining it, you mm -hmm. have buy-in because they feel like they have ownership and you're teaching them a skill. And then also, I mean, I was thinking, listening to this so often, I, I provide a rubric and say, well, I'm the one grading it, so cover the points. But your take on it is as uh, information producing citizens, you, you want a much larger audience. And that really makes a lot of sense. So I think for me, that's one of the things that I need to be more cognizant of. Yeah, and I, I asked that to the, my undergrad students. Um, I just asked them about their presentation like do you get more nervous or do you do you put more effort into something simply because you know you have to go in front of the classroom and present it uh, and it was remarkable because I, I expected them to say yeah because I know that these people are going to be watching and evaluating that I'm going to be um, maybe a little bit more careful and put a little bit more time into it but what was surprising is they they actually said, well, they're all in the same boat. So I know they're kind of going to be a little bit more lenient on me. And so I, I it came up because we were watching a film uh, called Most Likely to Succeed in, in that class. And they have a an exhibit at the end of their, their semester, a huge exhibit where professionals from the community, parents um, come in and just look at the project or the presentation that students are, are giving to them. And so... 
they're not presenting it necessarily to people that are in that same boat. Um, they're really presenting it to people who might be interested in that. And I, that's where I really see the, the value of a lot of what we, we talk about social media a lot. And I keep looking at everything and starting to realize like most of the media that we see nowadays is getting more and more social like the mm -hmm. the idea used to be that media came from you know these vetted sources on the news and through encyclopedias and whatnot and it went through publishers but now just large groups of people can have a voice and so i can give that voice to to students but at the same time also be working on those skills because i think that's the the fear of social media is that anybody can say whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And so helping students to, to realize that on their research side, when they're critically thinking about the sources and evaluating information, um, but also helping them see that on the, the other side, that that their voice can be heard. I mean, like the 13 year old kid that started recording Minecraft videos and suddenly has a worldwide audience, <laughs> um, like your voice can be heard, but I think a lot of it comes down to if you have something that is worth sharing, if you know how to to give that to your audience and how to to share that with your audience, and I and I do think, and this then gets into, um, you know, some of the things both at WLC and in in all of my years, like I know my students um, have something that is worth sharing, and so I want them to be able to communicate their faith and what they believe um, with a worldwide audience in a way, um, in a way that that can reach as many people as possible. So so they've got so many things that they're they're passionate about and it's just harnessing that and focusing it on something that truly is theirs and focusing it on something that has a a real audience, someone who really needs to see this. Um, more than just my audience when I was creating work as a as a kid, my audience was my teacher, um, my mom, and then my grandparents because it would end up on the fridge if it was good <laughs> enough. Um, so now through our portfolios and and things we can we can have this digital archive that allows students to reflect on what they've done but it can eventually be published on a much larger scale than my fridge was and i would certainly encourage the listeners as i'm taking in this information i'm looking at the ISTE standards josh has already integrated multiple standards in uh, to his discussion. So it, it may be helpful to go back uh, as a listener and pull up those standards and say, oh yeah, yeah this, this, this is the area that I can, can really work on. So Josh, where do we start with this? That's, that's what I struggle with. Like, this is awesome. I'm overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. what's, what's step one out of the gate for me? Starting small. Um... Definitely. I, I, I like, and since you brought up the ISTE standards while um, folks are looking at that, I love taking a look at the ISTE standards because they are things that are already present in just about every other um, area of teaching that I've done. If I'm working in history, I see the ISTE standards as being way more overarching. And, and I wish it wasn't just attached to technology um, because I, I look at them and I don't really see much or anything uh, face value that says these have to be technology. Mm -hmm. um, so what I, I I really think it's it starts by um, making sure and if you're if I'm talking to to teachers and adults, making sure that you are comfortable um, with creating for yourself a learning network. And you have some of the things started, I'm sure already. Um, you've got a Facebook page, you've got a Pinterest page, maybe you follow things on Twitter. Um, 
the place that I start my students uh, and even in high school students, I wanted to get people into the idea of I, I just want you reading daily. Um, it doesn't matter to me always that it's um, necessarily educational content. I want you to find sources that over the course of time you realize like, oh, these are reputable. These are, are people that I trust and form a relationship with um, the content that you have. The way I do it um, is an app called Feedly. Uh, and I recommend it to to so many people. And every every student that comes through my my master's class, all the teachers, I that's one of their first week assignments is to create this account, um, and to go and find things that you are interested in. Um, if I shared with you my Feedly account, you would see um, I have a whole section of articles and blogs and websites that are related to education. Um, that's the professional part of it. Now, I have to ask, in that blog, do you also have uh, the, the Blackhawks? I, uh, <laughs> you know, seeing that he's wearing a polo with the Blackhawks emblem <laughs> and his car has the decal on it. And yep. Yeah, no, the it just curious. It has there is an entire section on sports, which is predominantly the Blackhawks um, and news feeds, Twitter feeds that uh, all get kind of pulled. Um, it uses, and this is where the techie side of it, it uses what's uh, referred to as RSS to go out to websites and pull content to you. So mm -hmm. I think of Feedly, um, and some people maybe have experienced it a little bit with smartphones. Um, I know some Android devices have a, an app called Flipgrid um, that's uh, installed on there. It's, it's almost delivering you content from the web in a um, in a periodical, you know, a magazines type fashion. But mine, yeah, it's got uh, the education stuff, but to make it less professional and more personal, it also has the things that for me, I'm just passionate about. Um, so the Blackhawks are on there. Um, I really do enjoy uh, playing games, video games. So I have that on there. Uh, I've got uh, uh, one of my favorite websites is is just Lifehacker, um, and it's just about you know trying to you know repurpose different things or be more efficient in some ways. And I'm like, oh, they always just have great ideas. So for me, it becomes personal because not only does it have my professional side, but it also has my interests. It's got my daily comic strips that I want to read, like Dilbert and whoever else. Um, and all those come in, it gives me a reason to be back in there and kind of going through and. The reason I say that it starts there is because I, I do think most people start with consuming. Like, I don't think anybody is just going to all of a sudden going to hit the ground and be like, I have so many things that I need to tell the world. Um, but I'm thinking of my nephew. I mean, he he's learned a lot. He's about six years old right now. Um, and he has never stops talking. Like, he is <laughs> constantly sharing. And I sometimes think, I'm like, how have you consumed enough information to have all this to share? Um, but... Uh, start with the the consumption part of it. Give if you can start with your students and help them develop just a, a select group of resources. Um, in my high school classroom, I required students at the beginning of every history class to read uh, for five minutes. Uh, the only requirement was that they share with me uh, what their their reading list was and. Quite honestly, a lot of the boys uh, had a couple of things because I said you need to have some news sites for current events and whatnot. But a lot of them were reading, um, you know, what was the latest entry on the sports or the ESPN um, page and whatnot. And I was like, that's that's good because it is 
it's kind of like reading a newspaper. You might just want to read the sports section, but to get to the sports section, you've got to go through a lot of other headlines as you're kind of opening it up. And I say that, and I realize probably most of my students have never opened a newspaper. <laughs> um, but those of you that have opened a newspaper, you know, it's like, well, I'm going to see some of these things. And it's those times that something catches your eye um, and you realize like, oh, I might not read the whole article, but I might at least start. And uh, that's, so that's my first step for anyone is develop uh, a set of resources. The, the Pinterest people that you follow, the Twitter feeds that you follow, um, not just for, you know, educational tips or parenting tips or the things that, that you're interested in, but also expand those to start to include, um, you know, what I, I usually say, like you, you eventually start to recognize who's the experts or the so-called experts in areas. Follow them, see who they follow, and it, it it eventually becomes kind of like going through a bibliography on a on a paper. It's like, oh, I really enjoyed this book. What is, resources did they use? And then you end up kind of following those breadcrumbs and reading the same things. Um, and the other part with that is, you know, eventually giving the X. So you, you can't read everything. And so at some point, I have to look at my learning network and say, you know what? I haven't read one of these articles in about three or four months. This one's dropping off. I'm just not interested anymore. I just don't have um, the time to consume that. But that's that's where I start. My second part then is really not much different than what teachers are already doing. Um, but that is when you have students doing the normal student things, they're writing papers, they're creating projects, I want to to somehow get them to really reflect about that. Um, and I wish I could remember the the name of the textbook. I, I borrowed it from um, from Becky uh, here at WLC and I when I gave the a presentation on K to two portfolios, like pre-K2 portfolios. Uh, but they there was a really a great list of just kind of questions. They were basic starter questions that I could start to ask students with almost any project. Like, oh, what were you thinking about when you did this? Like here, I'm looking at your paper. Why did you do this? And ask them to start thinking about the process that they went through um, to really kind of show them and, and teach them to reflect. The metacognition you were talking about, mm -hmm. thinking about thinking, why we yep. do what we do. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's where I guess the, for me, I, 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 I applaud this part of it because I've told many people numerous times outside of maybe formal presentations um, and sometimes, you know, a few papers, the part where I think a lot of that reflection um, happens is when you have to now say, well, I've done all of these things. And I've, I've worked through this content or I've read these things. Now I need to produce something. And that's where you really start to, to do that. And we've, we've been teaching kids to write papers. Um, but again, I, I think the the skills that we're teaching them, the the way to communicate, they're so important. And I do believe that students recognize that. A lot of times I think it's just the content about which they're writing, they're just not as passionate about. So when when I as a uh, as an educator start to really stop and think and then put something together for someone else to summarize those, um, you know, that's really the next part for most people is we're already good at consuming. Now let's become better at creating and sharing the things that we've learned um, 
and kind of establishing that kind of network, that community uh, of experts that we can, you know, learn from each other. And that's where I want students. I want them to, to realize like, yes, there's a lot of content that you're learning um, throughout school. And there's a lot of things that you're going to encounter in your own life, but you need to become experts at learning. So you have to see how did I, how did I tackle this problem? What worked for me? Um, so that when you encounter something new, you can start to develop your own personal strategies and say, well, I know that I could try it this way. And again, as I mentioned way earlier, not be afraid to just kind of fall flat on your face and say, well, that didn't work. Um, but then kind of pick yourself up and do it again. Um, so it is, it's a, it's a lot about that reflective process. So I just want to say thanks, Josh, on behalf of both Dr. Rhoda and I for taking time out of your busy schedule. You, you can understand why, I mean, we could just have an entire podcast series uh, on this. And here's the thing I'm really appreciating, Josh. I'm sitting here and as you're talking, I'm thinking of all these theories and theorists that what you're doing absolutely supports. So we know that people are social learners. That's how God has designed us. We learn from, if any of you have older brothers and sisters, we know that we learn, or younger, we, we learn from them what we can do, what we can't do. And so Bandura's social learning theory talks about how we're social learners, but the very first thing to have that happen is you have to have somebody's attention. When you let a student explore something they're excited about, you have their attention. They're then motivated to take it to the next level. So you're getting across what you want to get across by doing it in a way that it, it, it gets their enthusiasm and excitement about a topic that they love. And then as they grow more mature, they can learn, they've learned those skills and they can transfer those into other things. So just what you're saying is just rock solid with all the theory. So I really, really appreciate that. And your students take it in too, because I've had the opportunity to have students who have been in your course before they've they've taken my course. And they always have ownership and buy-in. They, they talk about how you allow them choice. And because of that, they when I ask them, you know, more in depth, well, what did you do? They can articulate and explain it because it was very real and meaningful for them. Yeah, and I, I do think I don't know when it happened. Um, the I don't remember who I actually heard talk about the fact that you know, people love learning, um, but people really don't like school, and so there's probably <laughs> a, an issue there. I thinking back to my nephew, I'm like, people really do love to share, but at some point. Um, they start to back away from sharing things beyond, you know, kind of the the um, informal, like, oh, here's what I ate for lunch, and you know, I'm excited about this. Like the things that were really important, um, they start to back away from. And I, I, I really think that if we can get students, especially those young students that want to share, they want the entire world to see what <laughs> they've done. Um, if we can show them how to actually make that happen, and then help them communicate effectively, you know whether it's written or orally, like, I think that's something that's going to kind of work or carry them through and, you know, into their adult lives as well. Very powerful. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five takeaways to consider from today's episode. Josh talked to us today about the development of professional networks and the value of it. Uh, for number one takeaway, I'd like you to reflect on how we train students to consume information. Uh, we do a fairly, fairly good job uh, doing that, but also how do we teach students how to produce the information in a meaningful way? 
Uh, number two, uh, Josh provided a, a great framework, the ISTE standards. I'm going to read through each of them so you know what they are if you haven't had a chance to look them up. We have Digital Citizen, Knowledge Constructor, Innovative Designer, Computational Thinker, Creative Communicator, Global Collaborator, and Empowered Learning. Take the time to reflect on those seven. Uh, number three, uh, as you reflect on those, we're already doing many of those things through a student portfolio, but take the time to ask the student, yeah, you know, why were you thinking about that? Uh, why did you choose to do that? How does that impact things? Uh, moving on, the next one is to allow choice. Really, really important. You heard Josh give multiple examples, allowing student choice. And number five, uh, how do we get started on this? A great start is to download the Feedly app. Uh, remember, follow Josh's advice, consider following his advice to Smart Small. And as always, if you have questions, send them our way. Uh, Josh has always been fantastic in uh, responding in a, a very quick manner. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.